Kittle will love it. Okay, so um, now that recorder is on, I'll repeat a little of what I, I've said. There are two traditions in Thailand. The Thai Wat has the city function and the forest function. And like I said, Wat Suan Mook is able to fulfill both of those because it's so large to where the biggest part of it is in fact uh, forest. And the pooties are spread right through there and through the, uh, the satellite vote, uh, videos, or excuse me, uh, uh, maps on Google. You can't see two thirds of what's going on there because all you see is the trees. And all pooties are spread among the tree, you can't see them. But there's one thing that's very interesting and that is that the very, very backest part of Watsuan Mok, uh, where you would normally think that the boundaries are, there's really no boundaries there. It's still just more hilltop and, and things. But one of the things that's in that area, which is quite remarkable, is chetties that are 1,300 years old. Okay. That this area of uh, Thailand is uh, uh, the Chaya area was well settled uh, uh, by uh, the, I think it's the Sukhothai uh, uh, Empire out of Indonesia and also part of Angkor Wat. And this was 700 AD to 900 AD through 1300 AD. And at that time, uh, this area of Thailand was uh, populated, settled. And they have an international museum in Chaya of a huge amount of old stuff that they've dug up over time, including there's a lot of jetties and other things like that that are ruins in that area, including right on the grounds of what's so and more. The Thai people have known about this forever. Yeah, it's the old stuff, you know, <laughs> 1,300 years ago. But you being in Europe, you recognize, yeah, there's 1,300-year-old stuff around here, right? In the United States, nothing is older than about 400 years at the most. Mm, yeah. mm. Okay, so 1,300 years is way back there. And so the, the, these are shrines that people want to go to pay homage to. And mm -hmm. so there's pathways right up to these these shrines. By the way, these temples are actually marked on Google. Okay. And they're called Watts, but and they look like that they're you know half a mile or so from Watts One Mook. Well, yes, they are, but the Watt in that area is that big. Mm -hmm. All right, and it and it is all forest, and it's got uh, cooties and huts all through that area. And at one time there was about 400 monks. Now many of them are falling into disrepair because wood buildings in the woods don't last long. <laughs> uh, so back to, well, why is there a distinction between the, the Thai forest tradition and the city watts? And that distinction is not the kind of distinction that the people in the West think when they hear the Thai forest tradition. As, as we said, a lot of Thai forest tradition ideas about a particular place in Thailand or a particular uh, group of people or a particular practice or a particular teacher or whatever, 
rather than understanding, no, this is not just nationwide, but it's also down into Malaysia, it's in Burma, it's in Cambodia. There is this distinction between the forest tradition and the city tradition. The forest tradition is there for, for folks to go into seclusion, to go off into the woods, literally the way that the Buddha did, and live your life that way. Possibly my most unusual example of that was one of my own teachers, Achan Li. Now, Achan Li lived in a part of the monastery that I didn't even know exist until one day Achan Po told me to follow him. Okay. And, and when you get to his kuti, tell him that Achan Po sent you. And that was all that was needed, okay? So I followed this guy, and he crosses a creek at a place that it looked like he was not going to be able to get up on, uh, to the bank on the other side. But no, he goes around a bush, and so I go around that bush, and I find a whole area of the Watt that I didn't know existed. <laughs> and so uh, the path just goes down to the creek and then on up the hill, and people just think that all the path has just come by the creek where in fact, no, it intentionally went by the creek so that the monks could go uh, across the creek and go to the other part of the Watt that most people don't even know about. I, did, I lived there and I didn't know about it until I followed this monk. Okay, so that's an important kind of thing uh, to recognize. Now, the reason that Achan Po did this was because Achan Li never spoke to anybody Mm -hmm. And that instead of going on the rounds on Vendabad, he would go to the back door of the kitchen at the Watt, because they have, they cook food at the Watt. It's, it's such a big Watt. They have so much going on there. And he would get his Pendabat, and then he would take his bowl and go back to his kuti, and he didn't even sit with all of the other monks, which is quite common. Mm -hmm. You don't have to eat in community, that the monks can take their bowl and, and go off. And okay. so at that level, that's the kind of lifestyle that the uh, at the extreme that the forest tradition offers is is that other than getting your food, you don't have to communicate with anybody all day long, day after day after day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not everybody chooses that all the time. Mm -hmm. But that was the way that Achan Li lived. Now, something very interesting about Achan Li is, is that he was actually living in a hill cave that was about an hour's walk to the nearest Bendabat. And when he didn't come for Bendabat, the, the lay people let the, the Watt network know. Uh. And Achan Po went down and got this guy and brought him back to watch Soinmo because he was had fallen into ill health. Oh. And so he doesn't have to walk for an hour now. He only has to walk across the watt <laughs> to get mm. his food. But other than that, that's the lifestyle that this particular monk uh, had been living for many, many years. On the other extreme is what happens in the city watch where people are coming, they're offering gifts, they're asking questions, they're talking. It's a madhouse, as you have, have been able to see at some times. At, uh, uh, and that when people say that, oh, 
I'm getting burned out here. What that means is it's beginning to long for the back of the Watt or another Watt that's actually in the forest tradition rather than in the city tradition. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the town people want that Watt close by. This is, it's a major part of the social thing. I would say that Buddhism in Thailand is more of a social event than Christianity is in, in the West or at the Catholic Church ever. That mm-hmm. uh, is part of the lives of the people. So when a young man goes to ordain, most likely he will be going to ordain at the, te- at the temple that he has been living in uh, and around and visiting very often. And this is the what that his mom and dad go to. A lot of people think that the monks are actually separated from their parents completely, but that's not true at all. Uh-huh. And in fact, uh, uh, I was at a, uh, a kind of a school which was mostly um, orphans, but not all, many of them were not orphans. In fact, most of them were not orphans. But in Cambodia at that time, let's say 20 years ago, they didn't have much of an educational system anywhere that the kids need to go to ordain at the Watt if they're going to learn to read and write and all of that kind of stuff. Oh. When all of these kids in this huge student body, they would line up for breakfast. And then the head monk, of that line would take all of the uh, salmon in the junior monks to their old neighborhood in the city of this is in Bantam Bank, by the way, that I saw this and, and saw such a spectacular thing to make sure that every morning mom and dad sees little Billy there in his robe. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and they can come and check on little Billy anytime that they want to. Now, there will come a time when Billy either goes back home after he spent time there in that watch, but more than likely, after a few weeks or months, he will be uh, invited to go to a forest watch to get away from his parents for a while, to get away from everything for a while, Mm -hmm. and actually get some Dhamma. One of the things that we do not want is we do not want brand new monks or new monks to take on the duties of elder monks. And that's a danger to happen in the, in the Thai uh, city watts, is that the monks will go uh, to the wat, and then other people may not know that this is a brand new monk. And so they'll ask him questions uh-huh. and put him on the spot and, the, and that kind of thing. And so basically they keep all the newer monks kind of away from the front of the Watt, but mm-hmm. we only want, uh, let us say, we want to have a monk who is there for the people so that when, he, when they come and bring their problems, he will help them with their problems without getting their problems all over himself. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. In other words, we want to we want wisdom there at that point of contact. <laughs> yeah. We definitely want wisdom there, and for that reason, even the younger monks are not in that in the public. That you want um, monks of five, ten, fifteen years to be around people, or even twenty years. 
Mm-hmm. But once a monk has spent many, many years in the forest, he doesn't want to go back to the Wat, mm-hmm. the city He never does want to go back there. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can basically say that uh, it depends upon the mentality of the monk and his maturity, but there is a place for all of them because this tradition has been growing up for 2,500 years now. I mean, mm-hmm. they it has kind of all fallen into place as to how the whole thing operates. And so, now let's add women to the mix. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because the women have all of the same things that the men do. And in fact, we want some... Uh, by the way, I'll use the word for you. It's called Mechi. Uh-huh. Uh, Mechi, uh, there are five, or excuse me, three different levels of Mechi. Just like there are uh, Upasaka, uh, Anagorica, Salmonin, and Bhikkhu for the men, you also have that those things. Um, uh, the Upasaka is a full-on five preceptor. Not one that just said the five precepts, but he's he's in it. He's doing upasaka. Uh, the anagorica then is going to be um, generally eight or ten precepts, and then the samanin is going to be a junior monk, which is kind of he's got the entire full two twenty seven patty monk, but no one expects the samanin to be able to keep it very well. <laughs> and so they kind of, you know, make it easy, make life easy for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the full-on bhikkhu. So, uh, for the women, the, the, the various levels of mechi have to do with, um, basically, how they're dressed. Okay. And, and whether they cut their hair or not. Some mechis wear all white. The all white is normally referred to as the anagorica or the youngest uh, nun, the younger ones or the beginners in middle aged. Okay, and they would normally go for the five up to the eight precepts. And then when the woman dresses in black and white, then she's going to be a full full blown mechi. Now, the Mechi may or may not shave their head, but if they shave their head, they generally go back to white. So a white uh, head-shaven woman will be at the top of the status. Then the shaven black and white, with the white on the top and the black on the bottom, either shaved or not shaved. And then the, the one who's wearing hair and the white is generally the beginner. Now, mm. that's not strict, but that's generally the case. Okay. Okay. And that it has to do with the level of the precepts. Now, the, uh, the situation just so happened that there were no bhikkhunis ever in Thailand, and so they never did have an ordination for Thailand, but they did what they could do to give as high a status to the women as they could to the monks. Mm-hmm. 
And so it's the Western women who come to see Thailand and scream chauvinism and uh, feminism and all of that at the top of the lungs, when what they don't realize is that the women generally run the watch. Mm-hmm. There is a woman section and a men's section, and here's the reason for that. Thailand is a matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Except at the highest levels of government and police and, uh, uh, and that kind of stuff. But generally, most of the lawyers are women. Uh-huh. Okay, if you have a, um, a family business, more than likely, the wife will run it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it is right here in my neighborhood. Uh, our landlord is Mr. Arsom. But his wife does all of that business as far as money and everything goes. But Mr. Arsom will come to make sure that the house is up to repair. For instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the sewer got blocked up. And so he was here, but he was only here with his own workmen because Thailand is also very entrepreneurial. Anybody can be a plumber. If he's willing to get into it, he's it. Okay. (laughs) And um, other things would be like delivery, like when uh, the um, the gas bottle for the, uh, the stove runs out. The guy will bring gas bottles on his motorbike and bring it into the house and set it up for us and make it. <laughs> life is really easy in that regard because there's so many services that are available of entrepreneurship here in Thailand. But Mr. Arsom is one of the, the, the uh, let us say, important men at the Wat. Wat Po is, in fact, easy walking distance. In fact, we, right where I live, there are three Wats within easy walking distance. Uh-huh. But Wat Po is the big one, and that's where most of the monks stay. The other one is, is uh, a Wat Nook, and then there's Wat Anan, um, this down this direction. But we can hear the monks when they're chanting from the porch here, uh-huh. when they're chanting on loudspeaker. But when they have any festivals or festivities or anything like that, then it's Mr. and Ms. Arsom that set up the tents and the ch- and the tables and all of the facilities and that kind of stuff. He's the kind of guy that, that does all of that, but it's his wife that really runs the place. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you'll find that in any family business. If you if you go into a business, even if the guy is there, the owner and his wife, and he will talk to you. But behind there, guess who's got the money in their pocket? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now, in that regard, that means that the women in these watch have a huge amount of power. There was a woman, uh, her name is Achan Ranchuan, who is now basically Thai world famous uh, as an Achan who taught at Wat Suan Mok. And she also taught in Bangkok. And she was quite famous as a teacher of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. I think she's probably dead now because if she was alive, she'd be over 100. I don't know. Uh, but in any case, um, the women always have 
something to say. Now, one of the ways that these things happen is, is that when a man, when, when the husband and wife get to retirement age and they hand the business, family business, over to their kids, they will build two cooties, one in the women's section and one in the men's section, and that's the retirement community for, the, uh, for grandma and grandpa. And so there's a lot of grandmas and grandpas at the back of the watt who are ordained in later life, but they spent much of their life once a week in the watt, sometimes even running the watt, paying the bills of the watt, collecting the money from the watt and all of that. So the monks and the nuns basically don't have to mess with money at all. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, I'm not sure how many Mechis there are in Thailand, but I would estimate at least 100,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there's very, very few bakunis. Now, the whole issue of uh, are women going to be ordained and, and are the monks going to be too grumpy about it and whatnot, that was all finished 30 years ago. And there are several watts in Thailand. One of the watts, in fact, was a watt just for Mechis. And at that time, uh, there were 400 women ordained and living in this watt. This was in Ayutthaya. Finally, the abbot was one of the Thai women who did push through the bhikkhuni stuff. And she became ordained as a bhikkhuni, and because of that, now she can now be the upajaya, or the preceptor, for the order growing. And Mm -hmm. so it has started to grow. But it's growing slowly because the women don't know about it, they don't care about it, because they're satisfied with uh, the Meiji system as it is, and so they don't see much reason to ordain. But all the Western women are going to say, why would I want to be a Meiji? Well, I can be a bakuni. Yeah. Well, you got to go to the right place to become a bakuni because there's not enough preceptors yet to go around. A hundred years from now, it won't be an issue at all. Nobody will even think about it. Mm. But it did happen around 1990 through 1995 that there was the issue of what about Thai women who will fully ordain as a bakuni? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when we... Uh, understand that the spiritual life is what the woman should want and that uh, the clothing that she wears is irrelevant to a point. So long as she's wearing clothes to fit in. (laughs) I mean, bikinis just don't make it at the watch. So... um, This is the way that to be looked at it, and in that regard, the way to do it is to come with the idea of uh, of traveling around and to go meet these women. I know of at least two. One was the issue, the one that I was uh, uh, that I sent you the link to, Mm -hmm. which is in outside of Bangkok, and the other one is the original one that's up in Ayutthaya. Mm-hmm. And that may be a really nice place to go, even though you say 400 women. Wow, what a gossip fest that must be. No, there's still places in the back. 
there are still ways of going into seclusion. And in fact, that's what they would expect of a Westerner anyway. But one of the things that the matrix don't have is the things that we that the, that has been set up for the men, and that is places like Dom Kiem, which is kind of a training lot, but it's not to train monks, but it's to train laymen in the Dhamma. And if they do want to ordain, then there are, then they would go to the other place, which would be Wat Panana Chat which was where uh, Achan Shemedo came from when he went to Amravati with Achan Cha to start Amravati. Okay, so uh, as you can see, um, that group of Westerners is actually quite inviting to women. You said you, you saw a nun with that, but you, uh, I don't know how she was dressed. Was she dressed like in, in the orange robes of the, of the monk, or was she dressed in, in white with shaved head? Yeah. Or was she dressed no, like she, in... she was dressed like the monks, yeah. Okay, so she was a fully ordained bhikkhuni. Yeah, I think so, yes. There, there were several of them. I think there were eight or ten or something, and there were also white... They're getting Christ. away from me. I haven't been taking tabs for years now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's on the grow. Mm -hmm. So that's a further indication of another issue within there's a there is actually a Sangha decessor or a breakup within the community at Amaravati over the issue or they the outward view of it or one particular side's point is it's about ordination of bhikkhunis because Achan Brahm ordained women in um, Perth, Australia and started bhikkhunis there out of compassion. But the um, uh, the right way to have done it would be to have gone through the way that it was set up through actually it was Taiwan, which we've talked about before. That Taiwan should also be a good option for you to go there because there's so many women ordained there. But they were the ones who had the forward ordination, and so they were the ones who helped the Westerners and uh, the Southeast Asians to get bhikkhunis going. What Achan Brahm did was he uh, ordained women on his own, and that's simply not allowed. Only the Buddha can ordain a woman as a bhikkhuni. All the other bhikkhunis have to be ordained by a bhikkhuni. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the issue, and that is funny that uh, they kicked Achan uh, Brahm out of their little clique oh. for ordaining women, and here they have what a dozen or more yeah, I <laughs> living think so. with them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to do with how the ordination was done. Uh -huh. Okay, that Achan Brahm simply did not have the credentials mm. <laughs> or the anatomy. <laughs> 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 to do the ordination. 
but it's alive and well. That hurdle has been crossed. Mm -hmm. And so that's available to you. Mm. And um, uh, it doesn't really matter of age. At one time, the, uh, the idea was is that things went along the same way that it did with retirement, that once someone reaches a retirement, if they've never ordained before, if they've already ordained, no problem, but if they've never ordained before, then they should not ordain in old age because uh -huh. they want to have some value or use for the Sangha, and by the time they're trained, they're dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, but that's actually not the case. Uh-huh. That that's more of an excuse that the old man will give. <laughs> that, uh, well, I can't ordain. I'm just going to live here at the Wada as a layman because I'm too old to ordain. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. <laughs> so don't let age have anything to do with your your decisions because okay. it, you know, that's still up to you. Um, that there is no age limit for ordination. Though there seems to be something about a rule about age 55. Because yeah, I heard something about that. Yes, and I thought yeah, you oh, can it, ignore it completely. Okay. Uh huh. <laughs> I thought I'm way too old. <laughs> yeah. No, I could actually ordain at 75 if I wanted to. I know exactly how to do it. But you used to be a monk too, so yes, that's the difference. That's because I know. Right. That means I know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <never> done that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so regardless of whichever ordination that you would choose to take, there will be a time when you need to stay wherever it is that you're ordaining for a while and that for a while has traditionally been five years. Uh -huh. In the sense that the Upajaya will say where you're going to be for five years. Uh-huh. Normally, what that means is, is that the Upajaya will say, you go with this Achan and live with him, and he's in the forest. Uh -huh. And so that's normally what the Upajaya will say, is, is that instead of keeping the student close by, because many Upajayas will have hundreds and hundreds of uh, uh, bought. You'll have hundreds and hundreds of of uh, 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 monks under, but he will also have a whole cadre of achans. And mm -hmm. so, actually, in the ordination ceremony, there is um, there is the upajaya who takes the prominent position, and then there are two achans. Mm -hmm. There is the primary achan. And then there is a backup or secondary Achan. And Achan Po was my first Achan. He was actually, he set up the ordination and he was there. And he was uh, presiding. Uh, which meant that Kesathero, uh, uh, the Upajaya, would naturally have, instead of keeping me in Suratani, he would have said, you go with Achan Po, back to Watsuan Mo. And that's what wow. I did. Right. Okay. So, and I've seen that also uh, in the United States of the young monks having an upajaya, but they go and stay somewhere else. Uh, but then that achan has the freedom to let the, the student roam. 
How does one get that upajaya? Is that a choice or is, is it? That will, that will be arranged for you by uh, the people who are curious about your ordination. They will find the upajaya. They uh -huh. know how to do that. Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. And that possibly the only thing that you have to do is to find out who is the chow what. Chow what means the head of the temple. Uh huh. We would in English call him an abbot, though I have no clue of why we would use that word. Uh huh. Okay. But the word chow in Thai is an honorific. For instance, the big river that comes through Bangkok is the Pra Chow River. The Buddha is named Praputa Chow. Uh -huh. Other famous monks what, uh, would be uh, Pra Sangha Chow. So it's an honorific. And the Chow Wat. There's also an even higher honorific that is bestowed by, uh, basically it's the, um, the combination of the Thai royal government and the, the top group of monks. That uh, it's like in the Catholic Church, the equivalent of a cardinal. Uh-huh. Because there's about 300 of them. And their name is Chao Kun. Mm -hmm. So now we know about the word chow. They mm -hmm. named their big rivers. They named the guy who runs the Wat. They named the cardinals chow. The Buddha was named chow. <laughs> <laughs> and so you go find the chow Wat, the head, the head uh, person there. Uh, and that in a mixed wat like wat suan mok, there that will be both monks and nuns in the sense that the nun section will have uh, a head nun and the men section will have a head nun mm -hmm. okay so you want to get introduced to both of them oh. i actually i think i i, I talk with the head nun there at, at that place yes that was, mm hmm You're talking about Amravati? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the word Amravati means? Uh, I, I used to know, but I forgot. I don't quite remember now. <laughs> the word Bahara or the, uh, Vati is actually the word for home. Mm -hmm. Like the word hara, which is heart, which is our home, okay? And uh -huh. then amara is the word for amorous, uh, amigo. Uh-huh, okay. Kaliyamata, okay, so that means friendly. It's a friendly home, amaravati. Okay. Yeah. Now, nobody's told me that. I just picked that out of the poly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and I made mistakes before. I may be wrong, but that's what, it's, what it, it appears to be. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
this is a, uh, something that you can plan on when the COVID-19 situation is done. And we've already talked about your, your long-term plans anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, if you go ahead and take that option, then for sure, come stay a night or two on the porch. Please go visit uh, Achan Po and uh, check out Watsuan Mo, but also for sure, go to Ayutia and check out that Wat and go so also to the, these women. And by that time, you'll have a whole new set of ideas and knowledge. Yeah, probably I will. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> In yeah. fact, you might like Achan Po so much that you want to stay at uh, Deepa Bhawan, which is quite possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's difficult to know until one has been there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, Those... so my telling stories is not going to get you there. You're going to have to do... <laughs> <laughs> well... Maybe it's it's a, a great inspiration, I, I think. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's finish this talk then and uh, finish the video. And so then you had something else that you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's do that. And we'll say ta-ta for now to everybody, and <laughs> we'll finish it. Okay, bye-bye.